630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Is Overtime Open Line brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins. on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 630 Chad. Well, the road team wins again, and this was a convincing victory for the Anaheim Ducks. They score early and often. They hold off an Oilers' comeback, and the final damage 6-3 in favor of Anaheim. The Oilers lead the series two games to one. Couple-day break in between games now. Game four will be Wednesday night at Rogers Place, and we are going back to Anaheim game five Friday. That'll be an 8.30 start. We'll see if the series extends beyond that. My name is Reed Wilkins. Our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown, is here as well. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. Well, Rob, I'll give a quick summary here first of what I saw this evening. Off the hop, you saw, uh, to me, a very slow-footed and hesitant and indecisive Oilers team. Full marks for fighting back, but you know, in the end, they, they weren't protecting the area in front of their own net enough. And the goaltender, who all year long has rarely let in a back-breaking goal, let in a back-breaking goal tonight. And all those little things add up to a three-goal loss for Edmonton. Well, I, I think it all started, you know, in the first 30 seconds of the game. The, the Anaheim Ducks have a set playoff, the faceoff, in their own zone. They're able to have that set play because they know they're going to win the face-off as they do most times when they play against the Oilers and they caught the Oilers napping and it's a play that I've run in in peewee and bantam hockey it's a simple play but the 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 Anaheim Ducks did it to perfection they executed and it was a pass from Getzlaff from his own goal line to the far blue line so the Oilers get caught napping early and all of a sudden the advantage of a hometown the big crowd, the noise is gone because this place was silenced. So you give Anaheim credit, and then the Oilers seem to, when it just kind of took the wind out of them. And for the first five to seven minutes, it's like, okay, they, they didn't play the way that they know they're capable of playing. And now they fall down a bunch. And what happens is that you can fight back if you want. And, and it was a great comeback. But you put yourself in a position that one mistake, one bad goal, and now you're down again because you, you've used up all your goodwill with all that work getting back into it. So uh, the Oilers, I think, took that first punch, which was the goal 30 seconds in, and then they hoped their way through a, uh, the next 15 minutes until they started to play the way they're capable of playing. But unfortunately, they were too late. Maroon, Slepeshev, McDavid, the Oilers' goal scorers. Jakob Silverberg, big game for Anaheim, two goals and an assist. And as you heard Bob mention at the end of the network show, Hampus Lindholm with an assist, and he was plus five. Brandon Montour was plus four. John Gibson, the winning goaltender tonight, he made uh, 24 saves, though I think you, you could single out four saves he made when the score was 4-3. Dreisaitl had a rebound off a nurse shot, swept it at the net. Gibson makes the save. Maroon snaps a one-timer on a three-on-one. That was only like 40 seconds later, makes the save. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets a chance when he spun in, kind of cut in between the defense, got a shot away. McDavid across. Well, actually, I got five chances here. McDavid looked like he was open for a shot across to Lucic. Gibson got over, and then maybe the best of them all. I mean, a toe save on Sekra with about 240 left in the second period. I was writing all those down, Rob. That, those are five grade A saves, mm-hmm. or better, double or triple A yeah. saves on some of them. 
in a span of seven minutes with this, his team up 4-3. Yeah, your goalie needs to make big saves at big moments. Tonight, Gibson did, and we saw it, and unfortunately Talbot didn't. And when the Oilers get there, they finally get back in the game, they tie it, and the place is going nuts. And how, how long was it after? 40 seconds, 50 seconds? 48 seconds. 48 seconds. Goal, yeah. So they don't get to, to enjoy the, the, the comeback. They don't get the whole fans to be going crazy for a while. The bench for Anaheim doesn't have to sit and stare up at the score clock saying what went wrong because all of a sudden you got the lead again. And it was just a, it was a bad break. We don't see Cam let those in often, but unfortunately that one was a shot that was going wide that ended up in the back of the net. Uh, Gibson was excellent tonight. And you say, well, he let three goals in, and, and it was only 27 shots again. Two of the goals were just terrible luck yeah. for, for the Ducks. Very good luck for the for those. A high stick that bounces off a player and it goes in behind Gibson. And then the Slepeshev goal, which was a great play by the Oilers going to the net. But again, it bounces two, off two different guys and goes up and over the, the goaltender into the net. So he's only really beaten once. And that was on an all-world play by Connor McDavid. And when he needed to make that save, when they're hanging on to the lead, he made them time and time again. And I know that you love the second one. To me, the biggest one was the Maroon on the th- the, the three-on-one. Uh, dry settle, perfect on a platter to Maroon, who one-times it. And it was just an acrobatic save. It's not one where he got in the position and was just there and, and swallowed up. He had to make an acrobatic love save. It keeps that at a 4-3 lead and allows the, the Ducks to go in between periods with the lead. And in the third period, they were by far the better team holding on to that lead. That was our save of the game for Armour Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armour at armorinsurance.ca. 6-3 Anaheim wins at Rogers Place. By the way, the Oilers at home on Sundays, regular season and playoffs are 2-6-1. and one. Well, you know what? I think that you go to the NHL and say our arena is now booked for every, every Sunday, Sunday for the remainder of the Oilers' existence here in Edmonton. All right, We'll bring our old friend Cam onto the show. Cam, good to hear from you, buddy. Hey, how's it going, fellas? Yeah, we're doing okay. How was your weekend? It was great, great. You know what? I'm not sweating this at all. I was out for a hike here earlier in the day, and I got thinking about it, and I know the last series, I said, let's just, you know, let's get back home for for uh, game five and and i just i was really thinking today what would be a reasonable expectation for this hockey team and and i thought you know the reasonable expectation would be that we you know fired two pretty good punches or bombs right off the bat and if we can split you know one of the next or pardon me if we can get a win in one of the next three games we're still hidden had we're still in good shape so you know we we have to be realistic here it's ebb and flow in a series and the thing I like in closing here, because I know you guys have lots to talk about, and I, the only reason I called in, I wasn't that interested in calling today because, you know, after a loss, but I want to call in and show respect because if I can call after a win, I'll call in after a loss too. But one of the things I was going to say is <clears throat> to play that bad, we were awful. I don't care what anyone says. We, you know, we had a few good moments, but we were awful. Like our big line got eaten alive, and I'm not criticizing. It's the way it is. I'd rather be awful and lose than be close and lose. Talbot was awful. We were awful. So... Nothing to, to worry about on my end. I mean, I think we're still completely in control of the series. Let's just shoot to get back and pack the barn big time on, you know, hopefully it doesn't have to come back for game six, but let's get focused on tomorrow night and get, get one of the next couple games and, and get back for game six and close them up in six. If we do it earlier than that, beautiful. Yeah, thanks, Cal. We appreciate it. I, I mean, it is still a 2-1 series lead for the Oilers. Uh, I mean, I guess if, I'm sure we're going to hear some stuff too, though, Rob, a couple games in a row where they haven't played great. Yep. Uh, no, no, this was 
this wasn't the same type of game as as Friday's game. That was the the score was obviously lower. Uh, Anaheim had a lot more territorial domination. I, I think tonight a- Anaheim had had better scoring opportunities. I mean, the Oilers controlled the second period when the, when they fought back, tied it, and then then were down a goal after the period. I, I think one thing, Robin, you know, I brought this up a few times throughout the season, and it's. It's been both for and against the Oilers, but the team that's been deficient in it has always lost. And how many times did the Oilers fail to clear a puck yep. when they were 10 or 15 feet away from their own blue line? And there were a couple of times where the Oilers had it. I'm not going to name anybody because a few guys did it. And they shot it right into the Anaheim player's body. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I noticed. And when I, when I used the word hesitant earlier, the Oilers obviously this year have become a better defensive team and they clean up the front of their net better. Whether it's moving a body or there's a loose puck, slap it to the corner, slap the guy's stick, get rid of it. There were occasions, mostly in the first period tonight, where Talbot made a save, the rebound was there, and the Oilers defenseman and the back-checking forward looked at the puck, looked up, looked up at each other, looked back down at the puck, and, and neither guy got it. And I don't, I, I don't know how that creeps into your game. I, I, it's probably just a one-off. But there were some weird things that weren't being taken care of tonight. Important things. Yeah, I agree. There was, well, I mean, you could look at both teams defensively. The details weren't there as good as they have been in, in the previous games. As Anaheim gave up a number of, I mean, they gave up the three goals and there was other five other great chances in the second period where, you know, Edmonton could have scored three goals there. It could have been six. So uh, both teams had some deficiencies. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks, I think, executed better. I think the Anaheim Ducks had uh, a much more desperate part of their game tonight. They were the more desperate team, in which they needed to be, being down 2 nothing in the series. But having said that, this was an important game as well for the Oilers because now they got a stew on a on this for the next three days where they could have extended this to a 3 nothing lead on home ice and had the Anaheim Ducks sitting there in Kelowna for the next couple of days thinking, all right, we're one win away from or one loss away from being out of the playoffs. So it was a missed opportunity for the Oilers. I, I, I mean, I don't know if they played as poorly as they did uh, the other night in Anaheim, but their mistakes tonight were huge. Yeah. And that, I think, is the, the thing that can be cleaned up. I think they will benefit from having this extended break for a practice now. So they'll, be, they'll probably have tomorrow off and then they'll practice Tuesday. You don't get a lot of good practice time during the playoffs because of the schedule. And there's some things they got to be better at. Uh, will there be line changes? Possibly. Uh, I don't think. I don't believe there'll be lineup changes. But the Oilers missed a huge opportunity. And the Anaheim Ducks right now are sitting in the dressing room. And we talked about it before. Anaheim coming into tonight's game would have said, you know what? We could have won game one. Game one was close. Both teams played well. The Oilers, fortunate, they win the game. They get one more break. Game two, Anaheim's got to feel they should have won. Mm-hmm. So coming into today's game, Anaheim's saying, you know what, we could have won game one. We should have won game two. This is a series that we still could win. And the Oilers didn't respond as well tonight as they needed to respond to put any seed of doubt into the Anaheim Ducks' mind going forward. So as I, as I was talking with Bob, this series has now begun. It really has. And game four... The importance of that is magnified now because you don't want to go back to Anaheim tied 2-2 with them having home ice for the final three games. All right, 6-3, the Ducks take it. We'll go back to the phone lines in a minute, but courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices, here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Can you start uh, just, uh, Todd, with uh, talking about the opportunity lost, in fact, twice possibly, an opportunity lost? lost twice well i mean 
You had a chance to be up three nothing in the series, uh, then you fought your way back to get a three three tie, and then happened again. Yeah, well, we this game gets wrapped up in one bow. Not uh, we don't divide it in a bunch of pieces. Uh, we weren't very good. They got the win. Um, you know, we uh, we didn't take advantage of the energy that was around us early in the game. Obviously, 25 seconds in. Uh, by the first time out, we were down by two. By the second time out, we were down by three, and we uh, we worked our way back in. But it wasn't our night. We weren't sharp enough. We weren't alert. Individual miscues were uh, plenty. Uh, they were all over the board. You know, you couldn't even really shorten a bench to, to find two or three lines or get down to five defensemen. There was that many that... Uh, that we're airing on a consistent basis. So, um, you know, I I think that we park it, we move on, and um, we get ready to play. They that's a team that hasn't lost. I don't think three times in in a row in I don't know how many games. Uh, so for us to to think that it was going to be a 4-0 easy cakewalk, it wasn't. And um, you know, we're now experiencing what it's like to play um, against a very desperate, hard, hungry team. And good for us. We'll learn as we go, and we know we can be better than that. But uh, the details are going to have to get uh, a lot more polished up. That's the second game in a row where they were the better team. Uh, you sneak a win out in the first one. But do you have, during the regular season, goes like this a little bit. There's less time in the playoffs. How do you turn this thing around faster? Because it's got to happen faster in the playoffs. Well, we, we have to... We have to play it within our structure when we're making mistakes a lot of times we're cheating on the wrong side we're uh, you know we're not coming out of our end clean our neutral zone isn't real good and we got to get back to some structure and uh, we'll take tomorrow we'll practice on Tuesday we'll try and fix a few things our power play certainly has to get better uh, but I can go down a long laundry list um, we'll get back to work and we'll try and fix things Todd uh, the goal that you challenged for being offside what did you see well, it's one of those, you, your, your eyes are telling you it's offside, but if you're the linesman, you're going, I don't know for sure. And the call on the ice stands, so um, it's disappointing because I think even they likely know it's offside, but they can't confirm it. So, you know, but that was, let's not kid ourselves, that wasn't uh, the backbreaker. The backbreaker was about 25 seconds in. Todd, you made a, a switch with McDavid um, onto the Lucic Eberle line. Uh, just maybe your thought process for doing that, and well, it was three nothing. We're at the second timeout. Things sure weren't looking good, so we had to try something, just shake things up. Right. Can you just comment on what you've gotten out of Eberle the last little bit here? Um, where you think his game is not at? enough. What's like? Uh, just to maybe follow up on that, I know you put him in a, a line with Nugent Hopkins, more maybe defensive role. Do you think that's hampered him? Has he lost his confidence offensively? He just doesn't seem to be making plays we've seen in the past. Well, he's he hasn't played in this type of situation in the past, so let's not evaluate him based on the past. This is a new experience for him, and um, you know he's learning as he goes as well, and it's great to be um, making strong plays on the board and checking well and that type of stuff, but you also have to find a way to contribute on the power play, and, and he's not the only one. Um, but he's one that stands out right now, and um, I think the day off will help him as well. It will um, allow us to work on some things in practice, and uh, we all expect him to be better, but more importantly, we expect the whole group to improve. Well, a lot of guys uh, have to improve. No doubt about that. Post-game comments from head coach Todd McClellan. The Oilers 
did score three goals in a row in this game. Usually you win when you do that. The <laughs> thing is they allowed three goals in a row before and after they got their three. So 6-3 Anaheim takes it. The Edmonton series lead is cut to two games to one. Still ahead, we'll go into the visitor's dressing room as well for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Cole and Terry are our next two callers at 780-496-0063. We have comments from Connor McDavid and Cam Talbot as well. Rough night for the Oilers. They do get three goals, meaning a $75 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. That's from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, given 25 bucks for every Oilers goal, regular and post-season. 6-3, Ducks take it. We're coming back after the news. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Playoff Radio, 6.30, Chet. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. The Ducks paddle past the Oilers, 6-3 at Rogers Place. Silverberg, a couple of goals and the Oilers series lead is cut to two games to one. It's 8.33 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line 780-496-0063 is the number, and we have Cole standing by. Hey, Cole, good to hear from you. Hey, Reed, Rob. How are you guys tonight? Doing well. What's on your mind, buddy? I had a couple quick points. I thought it was, was good to see the Oilers battle back in the second. I thought they had a, a good push there where they maybe could have just folded and gave up, but... Um, I got to ask, I don't know if it would have made a difference in the game, but I'm sure everyone else in Edmonton is thinking the same thing about Getzlav, those, like he clearly clearly tripped up Nuge there and then that cross-check on McDavid break away and they, they both weren't called, so I don't know, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but I thought I'd get your guys' opinion. Yeah, I, I'm going to start, Rob, sorry, okay, go sorry to jump in. I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, there were two trips on Nugent Hopkins that I thought should have been called, and uh, look, the Oilers, after the second period, had three power plays, the uh, Ducks only had one. Anaheim wound up with more power plays because the Oilers took three penalties in the last nine minutes when the game was pretty much over. That that, that was frustrating to me, and I'm going to say again, I'll stand by what I said in the second intermission, Rob. Sometimes it seems to me there's a different rule book than there is for Ryan Getzlaff than there is for everybody else. And that I find that frustrating. And that's not why the Oilers lost tonight. No, I I mean, I don't know if I would say there's a two rule books. I mean, well, you know what I mean. I do. Um... There, there was a number of calls that could have gone either way tonight that didn't. Uh, and I said that what we said after the second period, the, the frustrating thing, and even for the players playing the game, is you don't know what is being called and what isn't. Every referee or referee duo that come in, they have kind of their set of rules or how the game's going to be called, what will be let go, won't be, won't be let go. And usually in the first, you know, seven to ten minutes of the game, you figure it out and then you stay within the in those limitations. What I saw tonight is it varied, uh, shift to shift, period to period. You, some things that didn't get called at one point got called later, or they didn't call this, and now all of a sudden they're calling it. So it's tough for the player to gauge what they can and what they cannot do. Having said that, there were some dumb penalties that were taken by the Oilers oh, sure. that they were going to call. I don't care who's refing. Uh, and there are some things that probably should have been called, uh, whether it be on Getzlaff or, or on Kessler. And I guess... One of those things, I don't know, it's a Trumpisms do where you just do enough dumb things in the world and eventually they'll just say, all right, we'll let them do some dumb things. Do enough illegal things in a game. Well, we can't call everyone, so we'll just call the certain ones. So uh, I, I don't believe the refing had anything to do in the outcome of this hockey game. Is Anaheim deserved this win? But I do believe that the Oilers' power play is a powerful tool 
And when something that should be called is called, it benefits the Oilers. When it's something that should be called is uh, and a ref turns a blind eye to it, then I think that will affect the Oilers and their chances of victory. Well, and the Oilers' power play will have to be better, too. I mean, yeah. all three chances tonight, but they, they didn't generate. Well, I guess the one power play, they the, the third one, when Dreisaitl centered the puck off the post. Yeah, that was, a, that was he was doing that on purpose. Yeah. He, I mean, that's what sets him apart is he sees something that no one else sees. And to be able to have the, the reach, he was like three feet behind the goal line. And his reach and his vision allowed him to see a little bit of opening on Gibson. And Gibson and the Ducks, very fortunate right there that that did not hit the post and go in instead of hitting the post and go out. Yeah, the power play is going to have to improve, and Todd McClellan touched on that. So that will be our adjustment of the game for Wednesday for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Let's go back into the Oilers' room for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Here's your captain, Connor McDavid. Hockey team. Everyone knows that. You know they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be in the position they are if uh, if they weren't. So you know we expected a, a good game and they delivered. You lose a game and these things happen. But you played two games in a row where they've been the better team by some margin. Uh, is that concerning? Uh, sure. I guess. I don't know. No. No. It's not. I mean, it's whatever. It's a long series. Um, you know, we're still up two one. We're still in a decent spot. You know, they won on on Wednesday, no doubt. I feel like you guys got chasing that game early and just never you got set up the way the way you wanted to. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we did a good job battling back to, to tie it up, but um, you know, ultimately uh, we definitely didn't deserve to win that one. So um, you know, I think uh, whatever luck we might have had in game two uh, definitely wasn't there tonight. You battle all the way back and you tie it up to then have that one go in 48 seconds later. Do you think that one? Was the backbreaker maybe? Uh, no, I think we were in, we were we were still in the game after that. Uh, you know, had some good chances to tie it up. That, that long shift, that power play. Um, we had a lot of good looks uh, to tie the game, and um, ultimately uh, we just didn't deliver. And you know, they found a way to capitalize. Feel what, like, go ahead. You feel like in the in the D zone things got as loose tonight as they have been in some time for you guys, just with some of the coverages lost, the things that happened in the defensive end? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, we got to be harder all over the ice, uh, D-zone especially, um, you know, net front uh, on the walls, chipping pucks out, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Is this, what are the things that, I want to say, what is it you got to do better? You just listen to them. What are the things that you can do better next game that just weren't there tonight? Uh, just chalk it up to, to bad game. Bad all over the ice. We got beat all over the ice. Um... You know, just, it's almost like that San Jose game. You, you, you try and learn from it, take the positives, um, wash it away. The goal that was a challenge for offside, did you see the replay? What did you What did you see there? What did you see? I haven't had a good enough chance to look at it. Um, you know, the refs see what they see, and, and they're going to make the call that they, they see. Uh, there's nothing more to that. Thank you, Read that's Connor McDavid. All right, Brendan Allwork work in the Oilers' room. Yeah, we'll just touch quickly on the offside challenge, Rob. I mean, as we've said, the officiating didn't affect the outcome, but, I mean, there are little things that fans might be curious about. And McClellan kind of said it. He said it probably was offside, but you have to have definitive video to overturn it. And, again, I, I'm going to say this for the... 20th time this season. I, I hate the challenge, whether it helps or hurts the Oilers. And, and a goal like that, I mean, if it's that close, you know, and then you're asking the linesman to make the call at full speed and then look at it and again on a small screen, you know, with fans screaming at them and, 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 and try to decide, 
you know, whether or not the foot preceded the puck over the line, that's pretty tough. And you showed me a screen cap that you have that the back centimeter of his blade might have been still been touching the blue line. So it's just it's, it's, it's a, a it's silly a, challenge. It, it's a dumb rule that was put in because of one play yep. that happened how many years ago I think now? it was three years three ago. Three years ago where a player was 10 feet offside. And because of that, we have a play that, and I, we've seen, and that was twenty seconds before the goal. Was yeah, scored. so it was just it was it was and it was a, a, a freak thing that for some reason the best linesman in the world missed something. If you can't see it in the blink of an eye, if you can't see it in real time, and you have to go and you have to break it down frame by frame by frame, well then it's dumb. Just uh, seriously, it's dumb. If if that's what it takes to see if the play is onside or offside, and it ha- you have to break it down that much, well, then you know what? Then we're doing a disservice to the fans and to the players because you're taking away a, an exciting part of the game, goal scoring, because somebody 30 seconds before was a millimeter or two millimeters offside. I mean, all the plays that we're seeing this year, when they've challenged, we're not seeing anything that was a foot offside. Every one of them has been. Is his foot touching? Is it? Is there a space yeah. of us? And it's all been like a centimeter or less. So if it's that case, if you can't see it with the naked eye, well, then you don't get to go to video. Um, I personally, watching it, thought it was offside. I thought it was going to get called back. But again, when I saw the screenshot and it was so close that the, the ref didn't want to overturn something, he couldn't tell. And you're asking a ref to overturn his own call. Oh. And which is another t- tough situation. Oilers lose 6-3. Terry will finish the play when we get back. We also have Kevin on the line. 6-3, Ducks take it. Oilers lead the series 2-1. Canadian Brewhouse overtime overline. This on is Overtime Overline. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. On Oilers Radio. 6-30, Chad. All right, Anaheim takes this one 6-3 over the Edmonton Oilers. The series is now 2-1 in favor of Edmonton. The next game is Wednesday night. 8 o'clock start time at Rogers Place. Our coverage here on Ched will begin at 6, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Got a uh, text here to 630-630 from Mitchell who says, Hey, Rob, why does it matter if you move Everly down the lineup? He's a defensive liability no matter where he plays. He doesn't engage physically. It's time to get him out of the lineup. That is from Mitchell. Well, you keep him in the lineup because he's better than what you have out of the lineup simple I, I i still think uh he has more to give i think he needs to find it in himself and he's just he's better than what they have not playing simple i i don't know any other thing to say but he has not been as good as he needs to be and he needs to be better three stars tonight silverberg gets laugh lindholm in that our order our fourth star is for missioner ellen auctioneering check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates well we always pick an oiler here rob uh, tough night when well, they lose. The good thing is you, you have your choice of everyone since none of them were starting. I'll, I'll, I'll pick Deharnay just because he's had some energetic plays. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go with Leon Dreisaitl. I thought Leon was all right tonight, and he was a, the, and, and he was plus tonight in a in a game where you've got guys that were minus three, minus three, minus two. They had a bunch of guys that way. Leon set up a goal, and I thought he was effective. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Terry on the line. Hello, Terry. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for taking my call again. Uh, I have several things to talk to you about. Uh, 
my ex-classmate, uh, English 215 classmate, Bob Stoffer. Uh, as much as I respect his knowledge in hockey, I don't think there's anybody in this town that is as deep as he is. Uh, I think he's a little radical when he wants to put in Matt Hendricks mm-hmm. into the lineup. But uh, uh, I can certainly, uh, I can feel his pain. Um, there's uh, a couple things, uh, 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 negative things. Uh, Everly was brought up as a negative, and uh, Rob, I remember you defending him about three years ago, and I complained about him. I think he's a little bit lazy and probably uh, could use a demotion down to the third or fourth line for a few games. Uh, the weak link on this team, however, is still number 25, uh, Darnell Nurse. That guy doesn't get the game. He makes too many mistakes. And uh, lastly, um, um, there's um, a lot of uh, talk about uh, the Jack Adams Award going to coach uh, Todd McClelland, and I'm not in that camp. Um, Earlier in the year, he was getting away with some stuff that I couldn't understand. He was putting out his fourth line with number five, the sixth defenseman, and he was not getting away with it. Lately, he has been. Um, but that still doesn't speak to me about brilliant coaching. So I'll throw that back in your court, gentlemen. What do you think? Well, I think he's uh, a deserving finalist for the Jack Adams. I, I thought Todd McClellan was a good coach when he coached San Jose, and I think he's a good coach in Edmonton. I, I think he does m- way more good than than harm to the Oilers. And quite frankly, Terry, most of the talk I've heard about it is that Mike Babcock is going to win it, not Todd McClellan. Uh, okay. Yeah. And Darnell Nurse uh, had a tough game. And, but the thing is, like, Terry, like I've, like we've said other times, it, I mean, every team has players that aren't as good or aren't as experienced or are younger and and make mistakes. I, I mean, Chris Wagner got a goal tonight for the Anaheim Ducks. He hardly plays. Like, he hardly plays. He never plays more than 10 minutes in a game. And he's on, and he's on the Anaheim Ducks, who had the best record in the Pacific Division. I mean, there's, every team has strengths and weaknesses. There's no perfect team out there, and you can go through the best teams in the league, and you're going to find weaknesses on those teams. Uh, Darnell Nurse uh, did not play well tonight, and he struggled at times. He's, he's he needs to learn uh, the game a little bit more. And a perfect example was the the rim that he had today that turned into a Getzlaff goal. It was just a a poor read. By, by, by a young player, and he's got to be better. But he is still, if you're looking at the Oilers' top six defensemen and who they have here, Darnell Nurse is still in your top six defensemen. Eric Greiba, I love the effort that he brings, but there's things that he's incapable of doing uh, because of uh, some skill limitations. Yeah, he's a bit slow, unfortunately. But at least he thinks the game a little bit more than Darnell Nurse. I don't. I, I think Darnell Nurse is, hasn't. You know, the game is not fast enough for or he, The game is too fast for him. Yeah, I, and there have been instances. Absolutely right. There are, have been instances where he, he sometimes uh, him reading the play. Uh, it, it has gone too fast. He hasn't read it the proper proper way. So I'm hoping that experience will help that. But as I said, every team has players that uh, aren't as good as other players on the team or aren't playing as well as other teams, whether it's the best teams or the worst teams in the league. Uh, the Oilers, uh, they, they're, they're, just, they're in the same boat as everyone else. But there's a number of players, and I don't, I'm not saying that tonight's loss is on Jordan Eberle or on Darnell Nurse. There's a number of players that need to be better if they are going to take a stranglehold on this series with a win on Wednesday night. 
All right, Terry, we're going to finish the play with you here. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park. Visit jetsetparking.com, park cheap and easy. If you're right, you'll be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Now it's Patrick Eves back to Raquel. Centering pass, and neither Montour nor Getzloff could catch up to it. It's three on one Edmonton. Try side of left wing. Dishes one time. Save by Gibson. Rebound. All right, rebound on the three on one chance. Goal or no goal, Terry? No, it's no goal, unfortunately. <laughs> now it's Patrick Eves back to Raquel. Centering pass, and neither Montour nor Getzloff could catch up to it. It's three on one Edmonton. Try side of left wing. Dishes one time. Save by Gibson. Rebound. Side of the net, and Gibson's able to pin it. Nugent Hopkins tapped it out of the air. Couldn't get it to go. Oilers lose the game 6-3. Also on the advantage trailer rental scoreboard, it's Nashville winning at home 3-1 over the Blues. They lead the series two games to one. In the Western Hockey League, Seattle finishes off Kelowna in game six, a 3-1 victory. Regina close to finishing off Lethbridge. They're up 6-4 with a minute left. We'll get to Kevin and Fred. You'll hear from Talbot and Getzlaff. 6-3, Ducks take it. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. And this Radio, is Pittsburgh. Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair. Silverberg with two goals and an assist. Manson, two assists. Theodore, two assists. Getzlaff, one and one. Those were the offensive leaders for the Anaheim Ducks as they beat the Oilers 6-3 in Game 3. Russell, the only Oiler with two points. He had two assists tonight. The goals from Maroon, Slepeshev, and McDavid. Edmonton's lead in the series is now two games to one. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for joining us. 780-496-0063. And we have Kevin standing by. Hey, Kevin, thanks a lot for calling. Yeah. Um, I'm glad... Um Stomper brought up broke the ice on Jordan Everly, and I, you know what? I hate dumping on people, especially pro athletes. Okay, on hockey players, it's such a fast game. But I just want to compare Jordan Everly's game to Brandon Gallagher's on Montreal. I watched that Montreal series, and he's what five foot nine. In his mind, he's six foot three, two fifteen, right? And I'm watching the Montreal series, and I'm telling my wife there. I said, you know what? Brendan Gallagher goes in front of the crease, and he is banging and whacking, and he's getting banged and whacked. And I said, you would never, ever, ever see Everly get in the space like that again. And as far as, uh, I think Stoffer's right. And he says, put in Hendricks. Okay, Terry, I think you're wrong. I'm sorry. Hendricks would go in those dirty areas where Everly would never go. I'm sorry, if, if, the, if the net was on the side of the, uh, side of the, on the half board there, Everly would be a 30-goal scorer, 40-goal scorer. He does not get inside of inside the crease. I'm sorry. Thank hey, you. Uh, a couple things on that. First, you you can't compare Jordan to to Gallagher in Montreal. Just simply, it's not in Jordan's makeup to be that kind of player. Gallagher is a special player. Yeah, but that's his point, though, Rob. Yeah, but that's, but that's you never. Point. But there's a lot of players that don't play like Gallagher. There's a ton of players. Now, Jordan Everly's got to be more assertive. He's got to go to the net more. He's got to get into the dirty areas. But he's never going to be Gallagher. There's very few out there that play the game like Gallagher. That's what makes him a special player at his size. So if you're asking Jordan to do that, well, then you shouldn't have brought Jordan into the organization because that's not who he is. Now, does Jordan need to be better at going to those areas? Yes, he certainly does. Uh, Do you bring Hendricks in instead of Jordan Eberle? No, you don't. Uh, Jordan Eberle needs to be better in this series. 
He's got to do a better job in both ends of the rink. Um, but, you know, up until, it's funny, up until 48 hours ago, this was a good hockey club that everyone was happy with in Jordan. And we've had a number of callers talk about how they thought Jordan has taken steps forwards here in the playoffs. He's better defensively. He's getting pucks out. He's bought in. And then they have two bad games, and now you see the negative side of it. Jordan Eberle needs to be better. If this Oilers team is going to go further in the playoffs, you've got a guy playing on your second line, playing 16 to 18 minutes a night. He's got to be effective in both ends of the rink. Tonight he wasn't in either. So, yes, I agree on part of it where Jordan has to be better, but I don't think you can compare him to Gallagher because they're just two completely different hockey players. All right, but there's still a basic mentality that Gallagher has. Oh, yeah. But maybe, the, maybe other guys can't do that as well yeah, but, as Gallagher does it. Well, I could go through half the Oilers that don't have the same mentality as Gallagher. They don't. Gallagher's a special hockey player. And there's, there, you're, you're, I'd be asking, well, why doesn't everybody skate fast like Connor McDavid? Why, doesn't they, why don't they go through the neutral zone? Or why don't they pass the puck like Leon Dreisaitl? There's certain things that Gallagher, that's what made him effective. Gallagher's in the NHL because he does that. Because he can't score from 15 feet out. He And I give him all the credit in the world. And he's a wonderful kid and I've had the chance to meet him. But you can't compare the two players because they play the game completely different. And Jordan Everly's never going to play like Gallagher. Nor could he. Because he, Gallagher, it, you pay, it's a huge price that he pays to do what he does. And he's very, very effective at it. All right, Fred and Zach up next on the line. we got a break for the news and weather. Oilers drops a decision 6-3 to the Ducks. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on 6.30, Chet. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chet. Final damage tonight at Rogers Place, Anaheim Ducks 6, Edmonton Oilers 3. Ryan Getzlaff continues to play well for the Ducks. His post-game comments for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Uh, what you were looking for, it didn't hold the lead, but can you talk about how important that was and how you guys built on that event? Yeah, again, I thought we uh, we came out and executed properly in that first period. Um, did a lot of good things. Obviously, we got rewarded for a few of them. Um, it was about coming out in this building. It's tough, tough atmosphere to play in. Awesome, fun, um, and our, our guys did a great job in that first period. You're looking at a 3-0 lead. You're probably feeling really good, and then all of a sudden it's 3-3. Um, is it hard to... Well, I mean, what happens at that point? Did did you get deflated or? or yeah, well, I mean, it's hard not to. I mean, when you're you're talking about emotional games, there's ups and downs and there's different things. Um, you know, that goal at the end of the first hurt us. Uh, I thought that, you know, had we come in here with that three goal lead, everybody's feeling good. You're doing the same thing. So, um, you know, uh, again, our our group showed a little bit of resiliency there. We bounced back and got a big one from Wagner there, and um, and away we went from there. Got a little bit of puck luck that might have been missing in the first two games with Wagner's goal. Well, again, I thought, you know, again, both teams, uh, you know, even their, you know, their first goal, the borderline high stick off a guy's battle and in, and that's the way playoff hockey works uh, both ways. Um, it was nice to get one of those bounces tonight, and, and we'll try and build off it. This is evidence that you guys keeping your cool. I'm sorry. Um, that, like I said, it's 3-3. Three, three. Is this evidence of you guys keeping your cool and, and being a veteran team to not just continue to spiral? We're, I mean, we keep using that term veteran team. <laughs> Our oldest defenseman, I think, is 27 or 26. But um, it's, you know, the thing that we're doing properly is we're 
responding um, to adversity. We're not getting out of sorts, and um, there's going to be ups and downs throughout every playoff game, every series, um, and it's about controlling our emotions and using it in our advantage. And tonight we did a good job at staying calm, um, sticking with the system, and we got a bounce. I mean, that's, you know, Wagner's goal is a well-executed play up until that point. He puts it on the net, and we get a bounce. All right, that's Ryan Getzlaff, helps the Ducks win tonight 6-3 over the Oilers, along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. No Japanese Village goal light. It's the Oilers who have to score five or more for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, downtown Southside and Northside in Edmonton. 780-496-0063. We have Fred standing by. Hello, Fred. Oh, boys, how are you tonight? Good. Hey, uh, me and a buddy went in his 64 Falcon convertible with Stanley. We started driving. The clouds uh, came in. It was blackout, and I had a bad feeling about tonight's game. But anybody that thought we'd take the Ducks out in four games, uh, no, that wasn't going to happen. We got a series now, but you know what? Uh, we have to inject somebody into the lineup. Two subpar games. We need a little... Back in the day, slots would always throw in a player or two when they had a loss, and it always seemed to work. I don't know. I'm kind of on the uh, Hendricks bandwagon myself because the guy hasn't played for so long and to be chomping at the bit to get in there, and maybe that could be the tonic for what this team needs right now. And the guy that was talking about Darnell Nurse, give me a break. He's 20 years old. Like It's his, uh, basically his, what, second year in the league? And... Uh, well, I don't see any problems with Darnell Nurse at all, but Everly definitely has to pick it up. And you know what? Uh, Shirelli said this is an evaluating process, the playoffs, and of course he's going to make changes if he doesn't like what he sees. But uh, what do you guys think? Well, yeah, Nurse is, is, is 22. I mean, like I said earlier, you, you're going to have young players in your lineup, and, and sometimes they're, they're going to make mistakes. Everly did have a, a tough game. He wasn't the only guy, but he he, he definitely did. I, I don't know about lineup changes. Uh, yeah, this is I, the I same mean, team I mean, that is, what's their record in the last 20 yeah, games? Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 could, I could see, if we want to talk about Everly, could I see him being demoted? Yes. yes. Could I see him being taken out? No. No, I don't think so. And, and again, I, I, I think everybody respects Matt Hendricks. I mean, it, yep. it's hard not to. He was a long shot just to ever play in the NHL, and, and this season he played his his 500th game. But you also have to remember the last game he played. Uh, sorry, the last, the, last, the, last the, last, the last three games he played, he played 13 and a half minutes, three minutes, and nine minutes. And he played right the last game of the season, which basically meant nothing. Yes. So, I mean, they already have players like DeHarnay and Pouliot who play somewhere between eight to 12 minutes. I, I don't know if... I mean, if Hendricks plays, I know he's going to work hard and I know he's going to care, but I don't know if he's, as the 12th forward, is the tonic that turns everything around. No, and and, he, and I love Matt Hendricks too, and I've got to know him over the last couple of years here, and he's a great guy. But the the player, I mean, the only player, who would you take out? Uh, Kajula, who I thought at times has shown flashes and gives you the opportunity to score. 
Hendricks in the lineup's not going to give you that opportunity to score. And a guy that was in and out of the lineup earlier with Hendricks was a Slepyshev, who I think is playing outstanding right now for the Edmonton Oilers. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing move up in the lineup and get more ice time because he's playing with a little desperation, a little edge in his game. And he so, takes the puck to the net. Yeah, and yeah. that's what Eberle has to start doing. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right. Eberle has to be better. I mean, it's, it's that simple. He has to be better, but he will not be sitting out next game. He will be in the lineup and he gets the opportunity to try to be better than he was tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got Zach on the line. Hey Zach, thanks for calling. Oh, oh hey guys, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind? Uh well first a disclaimer, I've had a few beers, probably not as many as JP. Uh and then second some appreciation. I just really appreciate your guys' show, listening from Maui. Rob, I agree with you. 99% of the time, and I'm only holding out that 1% uh, because I, I don't agree with anybody 100%. Uh, well, you're, you're 93% better than my wife is at agreeing with me, so thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and it might have something to do with you being from St. Albert, but that's all right. Uh, my thing here tonight, uh, I, I, I looked at that game tonight. Yeah, a little disappointing, but, uh, but we got no worries. You know what? That game turned on just a few plays. Yeah, the nurse play, but it, but no big deal. He's 20, you know, and most of the time these days he skates it out of the zone and makes the right play. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, what I am looking forward to, whether it happens this playoff or in playoffs to come, there's there's really two plays I, I think it, it turns on. Uh, in the first period there, Dreisaitl's got a two-on-one, chooses to pass. He's got a clear shot on the net. And and uh, Gibson is playing the pass on these guys, and uh, you know it do- doesn't work out. Same thing, McDavid after his beautiful goal, coming down on that two-on-one with uh, Lucic, he's got the shot, he doesn't take it. Those are the two plays that it turned on. Uh, of course, there's a, a million other things, uh, but you know once those guys just like uh, just like Getzlaff. He's shooting more. Once those guys start to learn to shoot, uh, I think we I think we turn this, and hopefully they learn that this year, and uh, and we're on our way. Well, and you know, both Drysaddle and McDavid are pass first type of guys, and that you'll never take that out of their game. But there are situations where they do have to shoot. I don't remember the Drysaddle one as well tonight, but the McDavid one. I mean, I, I'm sitting up here, and I, and I think he's the most unselfish player in the world, and most of his decisions are right. But I'm like, he is an, on his offside. So that means his stick and his puck are in the perfect position to shoot. He's passing to Maroon, who's, or sorry, Lucci, Lucci, who's coming in, who's on his normal side. So his stick now is at a really bad angle. It's further away from the net. Connor McDavid didn't pass to a guy who was in a better position than him there. He, he didn't. So I, I would love to have seen Connor McDavid shoot there, especially after he just absolutely ripped one uh, by Gibson on a wonderful wrist shot. Um, I think that you will see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle, for that matter, become a little more selfish as they go forward when they realize when they shoot, it now gives the goaltenders cause for thought. Because right now, as you said, 
the goaltenders are playing the pass. Their first thought, they look up, goalie looks, okay, here comes McDavid. Okay, who's coming? Okay, he's probably going to pass. Here's Dry Settle. Well, yeah, he, I know he's going to pass. So they can just cheat just that little bit that allows them to get into the right position. So and, you're right. And it's funny, too, talking about tendencies of players. Ryan Getzlaff is 31 years old. He's played. 980, 972 games combined regular season and playoffs. Before the series, I was watching a Randy Carlisle media availability, mm-hmm. and somebody asked him, how often do you have you talked to Ryan Getzlaff about shooting more? And Randy Carlisle said, eh, about a million. Yeah, well, no, it's, so, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it's in a player. It just, it, it just, that's the type of player they are, the type of person. What did Getzlaff have this year? He only had like seven goals, didn't he? Or, he got up to 15. By oh, the sorry, end. 15. So at the very end, and, and look what the two goals he scored in this series. You're thinking, that's a 40-goal well, score. Well, the one he scored here late in the regular yeah, season. like that. Slap shot. So he's got an absolute bullet, and he, he can score, but they, they think shot first. Or excuse me, they think pass first. Um, you got to be, to be a goal scorer, you got to be a little bit selfish. And no one's going to. Uh, is going to talk talk bad about you if if you score 40 or 50 and you look a guy off a couple times. So uh, the, I don't remember the dry settle one as much, but I do agree, Connor McDavid, on that opportunity, I would have loved to have seen him shot shoot that puck. All right, let's go back down to the Oilers' dressing room. Here's their goaltender, Cam Talbot. Just just your thoughts on kind of the way it went. To the, uh, always tough to get one up on the first shot of the game. Yeah, it's just... Uh... They caught us on a sneaky play there off the bat, and I didn't make the, the save really that I needed to, and I didn't make a, a lot of other saves during the game that I needed to. So uh, it's on me to, to to make some of those big saves that I've been making I didn't make tonight. The one you look most frustrated, of course, is the fourth one right after you guys had tied it up. Yeah. Change speed on you at the last minute? Yeah, it was just kind of a knuckle puck from the corner and uh, tried to, to punch it away. and wasn't going as fast as I thought. Like I said, just kind of changed speed on me, but that was, uh, I think, a deciding moment in the game. We have all the momentum. We just tie the game, and and, uh, and a shot like that goes in, I can't go in, so that's just uh, that's on me. Your strong suit all season has been bouncing back after games like this one. What do you do to clear your head after this? Just flush it like I've been doing every other game that's happened like this all year. I feel like I've been pretty good at bouncing back, so I'm just going to... Like I said, go through my process and, and forget about this one. Have a couple of good days of practice and be ready to play Wednesday night. Thanks, Cam. Thank yep. you. Read that, Cam Talbot. All right, Brendan Ulrich work in the Oilers' room. Kent and Jay next on the open line. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line. Oilers lose 6-3 to the Ducks. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Anaheim taking down the Oilers 6-3 tonight. The series lead still for Edmonton, but it's 2-1. They were hoping to make it 3-0. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's 9-21, and we have Kent on the line. Kent, good to hear from you. Uh, just a quick word on the national anthem. That... That's uh, clearly uh, not having the right people in the right place. I have 20 years' experience in professional audio and master's degree in audio from McGill University, and and that was an obvious mess-up. And unfortunately, in Canada, when it comes to the hockey games right now, uh, the sound quality is really bad. Um, If you listen to NBC, you know, you watch watch the games on TV, NBC sounds really good, and... CBC doesn't hold a candle to it, and it's it's simply because about two or three years ago, they, they literally just fired all of the experienced sound guys at CBC and replaced them with contract workers that don't know what they're doing. Um, on the flip side, uh, 6.30, Chid, I always listen, listen on web streaming, and you guys sound good, uh, so, so you don't have any problems there. 
Um, All right. Well, that's good. I don't know why we're talking about Jordan Eberle. Like, I have done a lot of analytics, and uh, I was uh, I, I published for a while under the pseudonym uh, Bitumen on uh, Copper and Blue. And um, every time I've looked at the analytics for Jordan Eberle, he always comes up actually as one of the Oilers who is able to get into the paint. Like, I know he's not uh, a Maroon or Lucic type guy, but for the size of guy that he is, he's actually, he's actually done pretty good. And you can confirm that by looking at some of Michael Parkati's work on shot distance. Eberle gets in close compared to some of the guys his size. And also with regards to defensive play, um, if you look this year at five versus five goals against per 60, Jordan Eberle uh, for players over 650 minutes is actually has the lowest count. Okay, cool. Can't we appreciate the, uh, the stats for sure. You know what's neat, Reed? I, I didn't realize that there was a malfunction at the beginning with the, the microphones. And I thought he was. Yeah, I thought he just did. So that. I thought he At just first, said, Red he was, was just doing that. And I was thinking, is that ever cool to be in another country singing the other country's national anthem and in the entire place, 16, 18,000, whatever we had here, no word for word. So uh, a malfunction turned out to be, a, to me, a really, really cool moment for Brett Kessel. So I, I, I commend him and I commend the, the number of people that were here tonight and sang along with the American National Anthem. All right, we have Jay on the line. Hello, Jay. Hi, Jay. Yeah, hello, uh, Reed and Rob. Uh, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks. Uh, I thought it was a good game. Um, yeah, that was a quick strike uh, first goal. Um, I don't think it was just a... It wasn't just the goal, but... It, uh, the way Raquel double clutch, it was like a real savvy goal. Um, but beyond that, um, yeah, I like how they fought back, and uh, I like the other guy I was talking about, the, the previous caller. I think it's like the new regime and uh, the type of players that they have now. I think the problem with Eberle is, is just like with players, when the puck dies on their stick, you know, I, I, I'm really happy the way uh, DeHarnay plays for for his sides. That's a different thing. Um, it's it's great, and uh, I can see Sabashev moving up in the lineup. Uh, yeah, and I do think I agree with Rob also that David <laughs> McDavid should be shooting some of the time. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Thanks for calling, Jay. But I always said during the regular season, McDavid did lead the team in shots on goal. <laughs> he has he has the puck a lot, but uh, again, it's his second year in the league and technically his first full season because he's first half of last year. I'm going to give him the leeway to make the decisions on the right. ice because I think he's pretty good at that. All right. Thanks to everybody who called and texted tonight. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. We'll talk more about uh, about the Oilers and some other things going on in the world of sports. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. The Ducks pull away from the Oilers tonight. 6-3 is the final. Next game is Wednesday, 6 o'clock face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop here on 630Ched. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Thank you for listening.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.